Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Beauty Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, May 17th. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we greatly appreciate your continued support. Um, <clears throat> just like to mention, if you have a comment or a question for tonight's show, you can give us a call at 81, I'm sorry, 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. And before we go to beauty news, I'm just going to jump to this very quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. How would you like to become friends with benefits? I'm sure that got your attention. I'm talking about friendsbeauty.com, now offering a benefits discount program to all of our friends. That's right. Professionals that qualify can save up to 40% and non-professional consumers up to 10% just for setting up a free account online. At Friends Beauty, we offer a huge range of products, including beauty makeup, special FX and theatrical makeup, skin care, wigs and extensions, styling tools, and more with thousands of brands at the best prices. We've been in business since 1940 and pride ourselves on ensuring our friends have the best shopping experience ever. Sign up for our friends discount program and shop with us today at friends, that's F-R-E-N-D-S, no I, beauty.com friendsbeauty.com. We also offer studio services for production orders at 818 691 1294. That's 818-691-1294. Join our program and become a friend with benefits today. 
All right. We are back again. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Beauty Talk with Denise and Janice Tunnell. And I'm going to send it right on over to Denise, who has some beauty news for us. Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you guys for joining us on tonight's show. Um, just quickly, I have uh, something from digital marketing news that I found to be uh, a little interesting, especially uh, during uh, these times. And it's all about uh, surging skincare sales and e-commerce growth um, and how it all reshapes the beauty industry, um, especially now uh, with a lot of online sales. Uh, and basically, it, more specifically, it talks about uh, Gen Z and how Gen Z could be powering skincare's rise to outshine cosmetics in the beauty industry. And it goes to say the global beauty industry is facing a major transition. Even before COVID-19 became the catalyst for in-store cosmetics purchases um, to slip, shifting consumer values encouraged the embrace of skincare instead of cover-up. From 2012 to 2019, the size of the global skincare market grew by 41.8%, and it is projected to continue its upward growth pattern, forecasted to hit a valuation of $189 billion by 2025. Skincare industry's growth can be attributed to can be attributed to Gen Z, as this generation has not embraced cosmetic products in a similar fashion to their generational uh, predecessors. According to a survey by leading investment bank Piper Jaffray in 2019, American teenagers showed an overall declining interest in cosmetics. The survey also highlighted a decline in the number of teenagers who wear makeup daily. Piper Jaffray's senior research analyst Aaron Murphy said the increased use of skincare is cannibalizing some makeup usage. And so it becomes a bit of a, self, a self-reinforcing cycle. When consumers start to feel better, they feel less need for coverage. And so less makeup is needed. With Gen Z spending power projected to exceed $140 billion, uh, beauty brands, retailers, and manufacturers will not likely ignore Gen Z's values, but instead they will respond to Gen Z's desires and behaviors by increasing their promotion and production of skincare products. I found this to be very interesting because even on social media, especially on Instagram, you can kind of, uh, you can kind of see that trend uh, starting to happen. Even in some of the, um, the trendy brands by younger people, you see them adding skincare uh, to those brands. So it's, it's more about um, having good skin uh, as opposed to just piling on all of the makeup. So you can kind of see the trend, um, you know, just going towards skin. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I'm excited about that. Um, oh, definitely. You know, we're, definitely. yeah, that's something that we've been preaching and teaching for years. So I'm definitely excited about that. And like you said, it's going towards skin, but I hope once it gets there, it stays there. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not just something that's just coming and going, but I hope it stays there. And you, know, and you know, being a makeup artist, we're not necessarily saying, you know, not to wear makeup. You know what I mean? But it's um, it's more so. It's you know, I mean, you can wear makeup all day long. You can wear however much makeup you want to. But for me, I prefer that you have good skin and not try to cover up bad skin with makeup. Like why spend the money constantly buying makeup to cover up, you know, blemishes and things like that. Take the time to fix that skin 
and continue maintaining that skin with good skincare, and then use use whatever makeup you want to use. So when you mm-hmm. take your makeup off, there should be good skin underneath that. Like let's Absolutely. not let's not pile makeup makeup on top of bad skin. Oh my God, and I see it all the time. And you know, I won't like point anything in particular out, but I was just watching a movie. Um, last night, and one of the actors just had the worst skin. I mean, I'm not going to make it sound like it's the worst skin. I've seen worse than that. But it looked horrible to me because they had makeup piled up on it. Yeah. So it's just like that. You're trying to hide it, but that's just highlighting it, honestly. Right. You know? Um, So basically, like you said, deal with with the skin issues and try to correct that and... You know, I think I think when people see when you have good skin, you don't have to pile a whole lot of stuff on it. You know, right. um, you know, I, like I always say, good skin is the best makeup. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I also wanted to mention um, I received an email from the Maryland um, Board of Cosmetology. Hmm. And I just wanted to mm-hmm. share some of the things you shared with me. Um, uh, they sent, you know, because I don't, well, you know, I follow what a lot of the different states are doing now, you know, because of COVID-19. And so, you know, I don't, for those who don't know, the state of Maryland has kind of opened back up some things. Um, I think there's still certain things that are closed, but they're kind of opening back up slowly but surely. So mm-hmm. what I received from the Maryland Department of Labor for Cosmetologists, they have sent um, a sanitation guidelines um, and reopening checklist for barbers and cosmetologists. Now, there are some things on there that they suggest, you know, they make, it's a suggestion. It's not required. And then there are some things mm-hmm. that are required. It's an, ex- an extensive list, so I'm not going to go over all of it, but I just wanted to just kind of highlight a couple of things that, you know, they're saying, um, you know, that they want you to do. And so I just wanted, right. to, uh, just wanted to quickly mention that um, the Maryland Board of Barbers and Cosmetologists, you know, they've prepared this reopening sanitation checklist for barbershops in hair salons to follow while preparing to open and operate. The boards suggest posting the checklist in a conspicuous location inside um, each business so that it cl- so that it's clearly visible to all patrons and employee you know and employees. So mm-hmm. again, I'm just going to go over a couple of them just so you guys have an idea because I'm not sure what other states are sending out. But I'm pretty sure a lot of states are going to kind of follow suit with a lot of this. So I'm just going to, you know, read a couple things. And just want everybody to know, I've, you know, I've, you know, taken this seriously because, you know, again, we work a lot in film and television, but we also have a makeup studio. So basically we're going to be having to, you know, follow exactly what a lot of these salons are doing, as well as, you know, there's going to be some 
some things coming down the pipe as far as how for, uh, film and television, how we're going to move forward in that direction as well. So I like to share this information because I know that there's a lot of people out there who are beauty professionals who are thinking about, you know, what their future is going to look like when they go back to work. So I just wanted to share, like, what the different states are doing. Um, you know, we'll, I'll be sharing some of this information uh, when we have our uh, mentees on the line tomorrow, because um, that's what I kind of want to know from them, what they're, you know, how are they preparing to move forward? So just wanted to kind of put that out there um, as to why I'm always talking about this. I just feel like it's something that we need to really be paying attention to. But I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to uh, go over anything that they're suggesting. I'm going to tell you what a lot of things that they're requiring. And one of the things that they're requiring is that, Wipe down all soft surfaces, such as chairs, couches, um, treatment tables with water and a clean towel. Um, clean and disinfect all individual workstations. This includes any rolling cart, tray, or surface where tools are stored, you know, during a service. And some of these things I feel like, you know, people, well, you never know. I don't know what people are doing. But for the most part, I think these are things that you should be doing. Um, they say clean and disinfect all parts of the shampoo bowls, spray nozzles, handles, and hoses. Clean and disinfect all non-electrical tools that will be used in a service, even if it was done prior to closing the establishment. Throw away any used items that cannot be disinfected. This is, you know, this includes, but is not limited limited to. And we talked about this the other uh, last week, emery boards, nail buffers, um, facial sponges, wax sticks, et cetera. You know, those things are things that should be used on a new client every single time. Um, so for those of you who are going to these nail salons out there and you sit down and they pick up a buffer and, you, and it's so obvious that it's been used, uh, you ought to be telling them, no, don't touch me with that, um, one of the things they suggest is place hand sanitizer in the restroom. That's just a suggestion. They're not requiring that. But wash any linens, clean or dirty, that have been in the establishment. Wash or disinfect all capes. Store all clean linens in a clean, covered place. Disinfect all pedicure bowls following the, re the required procedures, even if they were disinfected prior to closing the establishment. So a lot of things are going to be disinfected and cleaned probably several times before they'll be used again. Um, store soiled towels, robes, gowns, smocks, linens, and sheets in a closed container. Imagine how many salon professionals who kind of, you know, over the years have kind of been doing some things but kind of skimping, you know, rushing, trying to get out, um, things that haven't, you know, totally been paid attention to 100%, imagine how things are going to be changed now in those establishments. Um, dispose of all waste, hair clippings, or, ref or refuse. Cover all headrests and or treatment tables with a clean towel, sheet, or paper for each client. Um I'm saying wow because I, you know, I just think about going to salons, nail salons, hair salons, and not seeing some of these things. You know what I mean? It's just something simple like mm -hmm. covering a headrest, you know. 
Um, yeah. You know what I mean? That you know for sure uh, that's not being done. So what else? So let me, I will go over some of the things that, um, that are ongoing safety uh, considerations that they're suggesting but not required. But I'm thinking about safety as well. Um, a first aid kit and blood spill exposure kit should be present at each workstation with the inclusion of a thermometer. All workstations should be cleaned using an EPA-registered disinfectant before and after each client. Remind everyone who works in the establishment and clients to stay at home if they are sick or not feeling well. Yes, of course. Remove all magazines and paper reading products from the reception area. Hmm. That's new. I, I don't even didn't even think about anything like that. Yeah, because you think about this all is, the people that you know pick up the magazines. Yeah, so I guess you have to bring your own reading material now, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. Disinfect high contact surfaces slash items daily: telephones, doorknobs, reception counter, etc. Consider consider having a supply of stylus pens. So clients do not touch the credit card reader. Disinfect the stylus pens after each use. Well, either way, you're going to have to clean that, whether you're, they're touching the, the reader or they're touching the pen. Um, stagger appointments to minimize the number of clients in the waiting area. Yes, that's for sure. For sure. Consider implementing contactless or online payment systems. Yeah, a lot of people are trying to do that now. Wear face masks and gloves during all services. Now, that's a required one uh, here. They're requiring that one. Um, and, you know, I went into a beauty supply yesterday, yes, yeah, yesterday and I saw a hairstylist. I think she was she works at the she worked at the salon that was like next door to the beauty supply. So she came in with her mask and her um she had on a mask and a shield. And the actual beauty supply was selling the actual shield as well. So that's something that um I know going forward on film and television, I believe we're going to be required to have to wear the mask and the shield. Um, yes. So, yeah. So for makeup artists out there, um, especially, if, you know, well, not just in salons, but in film and TV as well, expect to have to do that. You know, like hairstylists, a lot of people say, well, it's going to be easier for hairstylists because they stand behind you. Um, not necessarily. I mean, they may feel a little bit more comfortable because, yes, they are behind you, but coughing, sneezing, you know what I mean, that directly behind you or directly in front of you, you know, um, is still something that, yes, you're still going to need that mask and shield. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, right. And then the... 
talk about proper hand washing steps. And these are recommendations from um, actually from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, stylists should wash and sanitize their hands before and after each client, of course. But you know we don't get that. Um, and they actually go into the whole um, five steps of how to wash your hands. Um, so that's pretty interesting. But they have some, you know, again, like some sanitation requirements. Um, all salons should be supplied with hot and cold running water. The, the premises should be kept free from rodents, flies, or similar, you know, similar insects. The salon may not be used for sleeping or living quarters. All hair, nail service debris, cotton, or other waste material shall be removed from the floor without delay and deposited in a closed container and removed from the premises frequently. You know, one of the things I see um, going forward, you know, is that it's going to be so much cleaning just in between clients, right? You know what I mean. Right. Whether it's hair, makeup, nails, everything. So much, uh, uh, so much cleaning. Yeah, it's going to so, take time. You know. It's going to take more time, more time than uh, you know most people have planned. But um, it will take time. And I think I think uh, once people get get used to some of the things that they have to implement. The more they do it, the quicker they'll get at doing it, you know, but I really think it's not the time to cut corners and try to speed up the process. I think a lot of these things are things that, um, you know, beauty technicians should have been doing anyway. You know, it's, it's, a, it's you know, every person who has a cosmetology license, whether you're a hairstylist, a barber, or um, an esthetician, or nail tech, you know, we all learn a certain amount of sanitation. And that's something that mm-hmm. we all have to have to renew our licenses when we renew our licenses. No matter what state you're in, you know, those um, those things we must have to renew our licenses. We must have that continuing education on sanitation. So just because we receive the knowledge, it doesn't mean that a lot of people are practicing certain things. And so now I think it's time for us to get back to what we should have been doing from day one. And that's practicing, you know, all of this stuff with sanitation we we should be doing all across the board. You know, and I can definitely see, you know, when you're talking about nails and, um, and skin, you know, you're doing like skincare and even, even people who are makeup artists, you know, there's no real license anymore for makeup artistry which I think we need to get back to implementing that. But even though there's not um, a license for makeup artistry, there's still certain things that we must use and, and, and do as a, uh, as a makeup artist when it comes to sanitation. It's just no way around it. There's right. no way around it. You're right. You know, it's, it's – um, like I said, it's just, it's just making – us step our game up. You know, a lot of these practices we should we should have been doing if we hadn't been doing them already. Um, and then for us who have been 
practicing uh, great sanitation, um, we should, you know, it's just going to make us take it to another level. And um, I'm hoping that people won't, you know, fall off after this goes away. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that people people are learning new habits and learning to do things better. I hope it just makes us all better. You know, um, again, sanitation is key, and that's that's one of the one of the things that I've always said for years. Is nothing wrong with being a, like a self-taught makeup artist, but I tell you, if you go to school, like back when I started, you could in the state of Maryland, you could um, get a license to be a makeup artist. You had to be licensed to be a makeup artist in the state of Maryland back then. Now they have since changed, but to be honest, I would love to see a lot of states bring that back. Um, um, if you if you wasn't getting a um, if you were a makeup artist and you didn't have a makeup license, most of, most of them had cosmetology licenses, or they went to aesthetic school and they became estheticians. Regardless of which license you had, each of those each of those were going to give you. Um, Classes on sanitation. I don't right. care what the, your, what your final um, your state board exam looked like, what kind of questions was on it. A good ninety percent of your questions were on sanitation. So that's why I was always an advocate for being licensed. You know, um, you can learn makeup, you can learn nails, you can learn hair, you can learn all that stuff outside of the classroom. There's so many people right. who are self-taught in, the, self-taught in those areas, you know, but right. they had to get a license if they wanted to be in a salon or what have you. So, you know, I just think it's key. And I would love to see, you know, we're both, um, you know, we're both um, members and um, on boards in the state of Maryland um, with PBA and I would just love to, I would really love to fight to get that license back um, for the state of Maryland. I would love to see makeup artists have to have a license. I really would because, yeah, you know what I mean? Because, you know, because you, you work so closely, stand so closely to people, you're in their faces. Um, I just feel, I feel like, there has to be a change because I'm, you know, reading off of off this list that these people are suggesting and these things that they're saying, and just like you're saying, like some of the stuff we really should already be doing, um, you know. And I know it's the state's re- the state is required to put that information out there um, for salon owners. I don't know how they're go they will go about like maybe checking or um, you know how the state board makes surprise visits, but I don't know if that's something that they're going to be checking and looking over. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen. But right. um, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely um, something that we are uh, we're going to have to look into. I'm, I, mean, I think I'm going to do reach out to a couple of the state boards just throughout the country, just different places, just to kind of get an idea of what they are requiring um, and what they're saying. Um, And one thing I'm noticing, though, 
they're talking about a lot of different things they want now to be in closed containers. Like they're saying lotions and ointments, creams, powders, that kind of thing, all should be kept in clean, closed containers. Earlier when I read off something about, um, I think it was like um, maybe some linen that they possibly use, like maybe, for instance, like on a massage table or, or, or something like that, if you're doing eyelash extensions and you the linen that you use on the bed. After cleaning all of that, they want all of that in closed containers. That's one of the things um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the Barberside certification or if it was, yeah, I think it was the Barberside certification. That's one thing I noticed throughout that uh, course that they mentioned a lot was keeping things in closed containers. Um so that's, that's just kind of interesting. Uh, it just really makes you think about, gosh, what were we doing? You know what I mean? Before, mm-hmm. like what was happening in these salons, you know, now all of a sudden, I mean, well, not all of a sudden, but we know why the changes are being made. But it's just like it makes you wonder how come things weren't that way before or even being required to be that way before. Right, and then just one one last thing I would say about this, and it and I'm, it's interesting. It says um, pressing combs shall be kept clean and free of carbon, and a hot soda solution or similar cleansing agent shall be used for this purpose. Between clients, pressing combs shall be scrubbed with a stiff brush, rinsed, disinfected, and dried. Oh my God. I'm just like, when I think about it, I just kind of think back on all those times in salons, you know, where, like, you know, because so many people are, you know, have natural hair, and and when they get their hair straightened, for the most part, a lot of stylists are using flat irons, but maybe when they want to do edges or something, they may get, they may, some may use the flat iron, some may use a pressing or straightening comb. And it just reminds me like I can just I can see it. I remember seeing it. You know, stylists just picking the comb up off the, the table, the station, putting it in the oven, getting it hot, straightening your hair, back down. How many times have you seen a stylist Scrub a pressing comb <laughs> after you think. You know what I mean? Not not even not even a stylist, but your own mother. You know, you've never seen well, yeah. that. <laughs> well, the only thing about your mother is, you know, you okay. know, at sure. home it's totally different. You know, I mean. But hair, hair is hair. You know, <laughs> you're right. Hair is hair, but I mean, nine times out of ten, when you're at home, you're with your mother. The only per- the only head she's putting it, putting it or putting it on is one head. You know what I mean? Like for the most part, at salons, they're just, just pick it up when they need it. So anyway, I just thought I would. It it was it was just interesting. <laughs> um, curling irons <laughs> shall be wiped with a clean cloth after use on each client. They shall be cleansed in a soap solution containing a portion of ammonia or similar cleansing agent 
and wiped dry each day to keep them clean and free from rust, grease, and dirt. Protective neck strips or similar covering shall be used on each client. A minimum of eight combs and four brushes shall be available for each senior cosmetologist um, or cosmetologist apprentice. Hmm. A minimum. A <laughs> minimum. And none of, of that, eight. and you know, none of that is happening now. None of that is happening. <laughs> most, you know, most. And I mean, and I know these are just suggestions for going forward, but. Um, no, no, no. Those, those those things I just read you were required for going forward, or already required. Going forward, those, those are required. That's what, there's a few things that's what I'm saying. There's a few things that was suggested, and I I said they were suggested when I when I read them off. But for the most part, everything I read was required. Right, but I mean, these are just these things are just for going forward. Things that are already happening that were happening before all of this. You know, sometimes you you would be lucky to find, especially nowadays, you would be lucky to find a hairstylist with a pressing comb, um, just one. You know what I mean? If or if, if or if, if if there was a stylist who actually does use a pressing comb, um, they're they're definitely not going to have more than a, more than maybe one, maybe two. That's about it. That's about it. Some some stylists don't even have more than like two flat irons. So think about all of the money that that needs to be spent to just to come up to code. You know what I mean? To just to to yeah. come up to where state boards are saying that we should actually be. You know, absolutely. It's gonna it's gonna take a, it's gonna take more money. You know, and I, and I was I was mm. talking to someone the other day on social media, and they were talking about how now we're gonna need we're gonna need to have more makeup brushes. And I was telling them, I was like. We always need we all we've always needed to have more makeup brushes. This is nothing new. You know what I mean? Like all of the stuff that's coming out now because of COVID nineteen, these are things we should have been doing anyway as makeup professionals. You know, people laugh at us because we always talk about all the brushes that we have and and all of the brushes that um you know, that we have that we haven't even used yet. Like I have brushes that I bought four years ago that haven't even used yet, you know, and it's like when we, you know, work on the hair and makeup trailers and we set up on the trailer, the amount of brushes between the two of us is like, you know, it's so much more than what everybody else has individually. Like individually, I probably had three times more brushes than another artist, you know, and that's because you never, ever want to use the same brushes on two people, ever, you know, if, if it gets to a point where, you know, let's say you didn't wash your brushes the night before, you can't go back and use those same brushes on on the same actress or any other actress. You have to grab, mm-hmm. if you didn't have time to wash those brushes, you have to grab more brushes, clean brushes to use on an actress. And those other brushes will just get washed later when you have the time. But there's no such thing as using even if it's even if it's the same brushes for the same actress, there's no such thing as using dirty brushes on an actress. You know, most people seem to think, well, I mean, it's not like you use them on somebody else; you use them on her. No, that's 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 not mm-mm. that's being dirty. Right. Definitely not practicing any any type of sanitation because you got to remember right. these brushes that probably are sitting out somewhere. 
you know, they're being exposed to the environment that they're in. You know, dust is getting on them. Lord only knows what else is getting on them. And you're going to take that brush and, you know, put it back on that acrid skin? No. No, if you're not if you're not dipping that brush in some brush cleaner, <laughs> there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. It's just and not happening. This is the last thing. This is the last thing for sure, I promise this time. But um so you remember how you would see hair clips or hair pins or even bobby pins placed in the mouth? Mhm. Yeah. As they're working. No more. No more of that. Nothing going in the mouth, holding anything. Well, tell that to the hairstylist. You know, you, you the <laughs> state board is going to have to stand there and uh, and stand in each salon and just and watch. You know, yeah. if they're doing yeah. hair, because they're going to move. Mm. Like, they're going to do that. They're going to move like that because they move. They try to move quickly. So it's like you, the consumer. You have to be the one to police all of this. You have to be the yes. one to say, no, you can't do that. It's going to be interesting. You have to be the um, one. You know, um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. And not, not, no, not, no disrespect to hairstylists. I'm just saying, you know, I, reading off some of these things, and that, that was nothing what I just said tonight. It is so much more, so much more that they've put in place. Um, but, again, no disrespect to hairstylists, but it's just, it's just that it's something, you know, when you go into a hair salon and then I'm reading off of this list, I just start thinking about, you know, the things that I've seen and, you know, things that we do and don't really realize sometimes that we do or don't do, you know. Um, <clears throat> but these are, these are some guidelines. This is just a reopening checklist. So just like you said, um, financially for some of these businesses, there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to have to um, have in place. So it's going to financially, it's going to cost them some, you know, a lot before they can even really reopen, you know, um, so following these guidelines, but it's, it's a lot. Um, When I look through some of it, some of it is, you know, things that they really should have been doing. Um, Mm -hmm. But but now they're going to have to, and like you were saying that the clients should should police it all. But you know, I really feel like you know salon owners and 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 the stylists in the salons. I really feel like they're going to you know really step up with this, and because they're you know they're thinking about their safety as well as the, as the safety of their clients. So I'm sure, you know, they're going to really follow this list. And um, again, like I said, I don't know how the state board is going to make sure these things are happening, but I'm sure they, they, they'll they find a way. Um, mm-hmm. But again, so if you are a stylist in Maryland, I'm sure you have received um, this information. Every licensed professional in the state of Maryland should have received this um this list, whether they're a salon owner or not. Um, so anyway, if you have not, you can go to labor.maryland, M-A-R-Y-L-A-N-D dot gov, um, forward slash forms, forward slash um, Barbara Sanitation Guide, okay, and download that PDF and um, 
you'll have a list of what you need. But again, I'm pretty sure most, you know, Maryland licensed professionals received it. All right. So just wanted to share that. Um, I found that to be very interesting. Again, I'll look into what some of the other states are doing, and I'm sure, I promise you, they, they have come up with some suggest, some suggestions as well. Um, so, um, it, you know, it all benefits us all, so that's, that's a great thing. But we're going to take a very, very quick break, and then we will be right back. Has your face felt dry and tight? Or does it hold oils like a sponge? If the answer is yes, what you need is a facial. That's right. And not just any facial, but a Facetox organic facial. Listen, the Facetox organic blend is free of parabens, it's vegan, and mixed with 100% organic rose water. And this water binds your face and works right away as it slowly begins to dry. You see, when the organic rose is mixed with the Facetox blend, it creates a negative charge and will prevent and even draw out your blackheads, reduce the appearance of scars, even skin tone, draw out external toxins, heal and rejuvenate skin tissue, and it will even unclog and shrink your pores. Face Tox is probably the most powerful face mask you will ever use because the benefits to your skin are endless. Listeners of our show can receive a 20% discount by simply using the discount code BEAUTY20. Face Tox organic face masks are perfect for all skin types. So what are you waiting for? Order yours right now at Facetalks.com. Your skin will thank you. All right, we are back. Sorry about that. I was on mute. <laughs> we are back. And um, did you have any other things that you wanted to share with us tonight? I do. Just really quickly, I wanted to share um, It's it's um, one other thing from that digital marketing news that I found to be interesting. And it's, it's um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. <laughs> and it's all about uh, social media and the innovative online campaigns that are basically reshaping the beauty industry, especially during COVID-19. Uh, the global beauty industry has significantly benefited from advancements in digital marketing. Many beauty brand marketers deploy innovative online campaigns and heavily employ social media marketing tactics to reach consumers and engage current customers. The boom in digital content has empowered beauty brands to step away from the makeup counter and showcase their products in new ways. So basically it's kind of hitting that retail a little bit, especially um, nowadays when, when malls are just kind of, some malls are just now opening back up. Um, Not all malls are open, but some malls are just now opening back up. So um, this is definitely a new way of at least getting your product out there um, uh, to the public. Social media helps beauty brands establish stronger connections with new and current audiences by posting engaging content that brings brand personas to life. As new niche and indie beauty brands enter the market, YouTube channels remain flooded with beauty tutorials and how to content. User-generated content and influencer marketing has helped brands like Glossier, Fenty Beauty, Kylie Cosmetics, and ColourPop compete with legacy brands like L'Oreal and Estee Lauder. 
Social platform advancements such as Pinterest shoppable pins and Instagram's in-app checkout elevated beauty brand marketing and involved the shopping experience. Many brands now rely on social media channels as an extension of their customers' buying experiences, encouraging seamless transaction journeys from like to cart. Cosmetics is not the only beauty sector experiencing boosts from social media. Social media opened up new avenues for purchasing and discussing skincare products, routines, and trends. Instagram and YouTube content is helping skincare brands harness the power of visual experiences, a strategy which which proved profitable for cosmetics. Skincare, which focuses on correction, remedy, and preventive measures, previously sat in the shadow of its more glamorous counterpart, cosmetics. Not anymore. So this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Stephen Canlian, head of, head of think tank at New York's Fashion Institute of Technology, noted that 2018 was the first year skincare sales outpaced cosmetics in the beauty industry, much of which was due to the growth of social media. Today's consumers are more sophisticated in their searches for beauty and skincare products. However, shoppers want clean ingredients, eco-friendly packaging, and relatability. Let me say that again because I think that's so important. Shoppers want clean ingredients, eco-friendly packaging, and relatability. Social media content empowers consumers to quickly find the products they identify with, their values, and needs. Beauty brand Summer Fridays, launched two years ago by two Instagram influencers, was based entirely on the sales of its single product, Face Mask. Summer Friday Mm -hmm. co-founder Mariana Hewitt said, Everything we do as far as packaging and boxes and messaging and photography should, re- should really be thought of on social first and foremost. The hashtag face mask, this is pre-COVID-19, produced more than 2.4 million images on Instagram. Consumers are finding brands that embrace their evolving values via social media, and they are displaying their use of products with UGC visual content. So I think this is um, the UGC is just user generated content. So I think um, this is this is so interesting, especially if you if you are um, an indie brand out there um, just trying to really get in the game. I think it's so important um, to take a couple things out of out of um, you know this article first and foremost. You know, skincare is king. It's 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 where it is right now, and you and you saw that trend happening over the years. You saw that happening. I mean, makeup is still a big thing. Cosmetics is still color. Cosmetics is still a, a huge deal. But you you see w- what skincare is doing and and how it's how it's growing and how it's picking up speed. Um, right. But you know, I think you definitely have to keep your consumer in mind when you're when you're uh, creating your products definitely and again like they said that you know they they want brands to be relatable you know they want the clean ingredients the eco-friendly packaging and relatability and if you can't relate to your customer your target market i mean you know i don't know how much brand success you'll have right absolutely but it's important i, totally agree. I think it's important I think it's important for those brands in um, in the department stores to start making sure they have 
um, more of a presence on social media. You know, because what if another pandemic ever happens again, find a way of, you know, I mean, of course, a lot of these brands are already on social media. But again, I mean, yeah, they're already on social media and they're already online. But the thing is, if, if, if you know, if the consumer can't really relate to your brand, then you're out of luck. It's not that no one's going to buy anything from you, but it's like, if you know, you got you kind of got to go with not necessarily what's popular, but again, that whole relatability uh, piece is a huge factor. You know, this is one one thing that I'm just just thinking about is so you know how you have you know you how you have like your Sephoras and your Ultas, right? Mm-hmm. And you know how there's certain brands in both of those uh, stores that you, you're not going to find, like, in your, your Nordstrom's, your Saks, like, in their beauty departments, right? It's like mm-hmm. a whole total, total different thing, right? But right. I feel like, I feel like in a time like, in a time like this, um, and in times when the economy is not as great, find people shopping more, at your Sephora's and your Ulta's, mm-hmm. and not in not in the big department stores. It really makes me wonder what's going to happen to some of the brands. And I mean, you know, a lot of these brands are, you know, when you go into your your Saks and, and places like that, you have the big, you have the big, you have the. Um, you know, you're not going to find Chanel in Sephora. Um, oh, wait a minute. Let me think. No, the makeup for Chanel, yeah, they are in Sephora, right? Or no? Uh, no. No, okay. I mean, um, but I'm trying to think. Maybe maybe I'm not seeing... in any of the ones that in my area, put it that way. I mean, okay. they could be gotcha. in some Sephora's, but not all. They're not in, in all. Some, but not all. But for for the most part, those brands that are that's on that on the same line of playing field with a Chanel, right? Or you know Armani or or some some brands I can't even say because they do have them at Sephora. But what I'm saying is is that I feel like I feel like when things get bad, it's I feel like it's the bigger stores like your like your you know, your Saks or your, your Nordstrom's, you know, stores like that I feel like would suffer more than your Sephora. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like when it comes, mm-hmm. and I'm just talking about beauty, I'm just talking about beauty because, you know, I feel like, you know, like your Sephora's and your Ulta's, they they do a lot more with um pushing people to, to buy from them online and, and that kind of thing. Not that it's not a mad push, but I think with, with Saks and places like that, you know, you're going to get more information or, or more, you're going to talk more about the clothes and things like that, more about fashion than um, the beauty. And I feel like stores like that would be, when times get bad, stores like that would be the stores that would close first because when they're not the money is not coming in you know what I mean and I just feel like because someone was telling me about um, 
one Nordstrom store closing, and I, I, I don't know the reason behind it. And it was just one store, and I don't know if it was because I feel like in that that particular area there's a lot of Nordstrom stores, and maybe they were just closing because maybe that particular location wasn't, you know, seeing the profits that they used to have, maybe because people are going to a store in a different direction or that's something that's close, you know, another Nordstrom store that's kind of close by. So I just thought about that when you were talking. I was just thinking about how I feel like when things get bad or times get bad, those stores I feel like would close first because I feel like most people – most people, when they go, you know, to get makeup and beauty products, they're going to run to, like, a store like a Sephora first because, you know, most people are not going to the store to buy, like, your higher-end brands unless it's something that they specifically use, whereas when you go to, like, a Sephora, you kind of, you kind of get a mix of both. You have some higher-end things there, and then you have, you know, some indie brands there. You kind of have a mix of things. Just my yeah, but also, yeah, but also I think I think a Sephora or an Ulta, it creates a different experience. Uh, you know, you can yeah. definitely go into the, you can you can go into the to the store and you can shop independently of you know a, a salesperson. You know, I mean, of course there'll be people walking around asking if you need help. You know, if you need suggestions or whatever, but. You go in, you pick up a basket, you can walk around the store and and shop. You know, you can have your own experience without being, and I hate to say it, but without being hounded by salespeople, you know, trying to make a sale. You know, right. because at least when you're there at Sephora, they're not worrying about making a sale because that's why you came in there. You're going you're gonna to buy something. You, you know, mm-hmm. most people who go to those places are going because there's something that they want. Or even if they're going just to try stuff on, more than likely they're going to walk out with something because it's 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 all about the experience that you have when you're in those stores. You know, you're there, you're trying yeah. stuff on. They have, you know, they have the 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 cleansers and and the alcohol and the cotton swabs and the, you know, and you have the you have all the cotton balls. You have all of this stuff. So if you mess up something, you can wipe it off. If you try something on your arm, you can wipe it off. You know what I'm saying? You know, so and it's yeah. not, and you you can do that independently. You don't need a salesperson to do that. You don't need a salesperson yeah. to do it, and so that takes a lot of pressure off of you, as far as thinking that you're being forced to buy. When you go right. into a department store, it's all about that salesperson having and needing to make that sale, needing to make their goal, so that that counter, that particular counter. Um, can make it daily goals, it's weekly goals, it's monthly goals. You know, yeah. it's all about that goal, you know, that target and number they're trying to hit. And speaking about the goal, like, I don't even think now they have as many, um, you know, like back in the day, there would be a, like a lot of freelancers for a lot of different brands, and they would have special events. Um, it would, say, for instance, like Bobby Brown, it would just be a Bobby Brown event. Um, happening, and a lot of freelancers would come in and work for the day. Um, now, I don't see a lot of that. Most of the time now when it, when you go into those department stores like a Nordstrom, you may see a beauty department event, you know, where all the right. brands 
maybe doing something special or maybe like a Mac would be doing something special, but you don't see a lot of that any longer. Um, no, you know, where they, you know what I mean? You don't see that where they were really trying to push those, like you said, those numbers and get those sales. And um, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's a, you know, it's a different day and people are doing different things when it comes to beauty. Now it's not necessarily, well, I'll I don't know. Part of, just, I, I feel like I think part, sorry, I think part of why that's hap- that's happened. And when you think about it, you know, back then, like Bobby Brown, just having freelance with Bobby Brown and Bobby Brown had a whole team of artists, um, you know, that, that were located in different parts of the country, you know, San Francisco, um, Louisiana, um, up in the Midwest, um, in New York, you know, in L.A. Um, they had artists from all over the country in certain areas, and they would travel all over the country, and they would come to diff- go to different cities and go to um, either Neiman's or Nordstrom, wherever Bobby Brown was, and they would do these events where they would come in, they would be the featured artists, and they would come around and suggest products and, you know, and do little demos and things like that. And, you know, you'd have all your Bobby Brown artists there um, working the event, like taking the appointments and doing the makeovers and using the products that these people suggested. That's an experience for the customer. It's an experience. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing with Mac. Mac would probably have maybe like their regional trainer come in and they would do a, a special event or something where there's like a demo or something. And then, um, you know, Mac would have artists who would, who would take customers and take appointments and things like that. Same type of thing. It's an experience. But you no longer get those types of experiences because they've, they've SA Lauder have brought them both. Yeah. So need I say more? <laughs> yeah. Need I say more? Right. <laughs> you know, that experience of, of true artistry and artist customer connection is gone. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about the sales. It's all about the dollar. Getting that yeah. money in. And that's why you don't have those types of events anymore. Essay Lauder is not a um it's not that type of brand, you know, but, you know, Bobby Brown and Mac that, you know, when back in, back in the day of Mac, when people like really like when that Mac store opened, that was, that was everything to people. That was everything to makeup artists, you know, cause they felt like they had a store, you know, for them. Cause you know, you could go to the Mac counter and you could wait, you know, for people to wait on you. It, it, it was a thing to, to buy Mac. But to have that Mac store was a true experience. For I mean, not just for the makeup artist, but just for, you know, your everyday consumer. It, it's an experience to sit down at a, at a separate counter to get your makeup done and to have every, I mean, every product displayed in the store. And that was just the store. That wasn't even the pro store. The pro store was a was a different experience on a on another level, you know. So it, it's it's all changed now. It's, I mean, I mean, you still have the pro store, you still have the store, you know, but things don't feel the same as the way they used to. And it's like if you if you're not providing those types of experiences, you know, the customer it, it's a new customer, you know. Those those women who are used to going to a department store 
who are used to, to that type of service um, that they get in a department store, those are the people who will continue to do that. But there's a new, there's a new customer out there now. And, you know, they're just as educated as anybody in the store or, you know, anybody who works for a particular brand. They're just as educated. You know, they can do the same right. things that you do. You know what I'm saying? And so they don't need you to tell them what color foundation to use. They know. They know what they want. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that is our time tonight. Um, We thank you guys for tuning in. Why don't you quickly tell them how they can follow us on social media? Of course, of course. So you all know you can follow us on Facebook. We are Beauty Beauty Talk Online Radio. On Twitter, we're Beauty underscore Talk. And then on Instagram, we're Beauty underscore Talk underscore Media. And then for uh, Janice and I both, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter just simply by our names. Uh, For Janice Tunnell, that's spelled J-A-N-I-C-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. And me, Denise, that's Denise Tunnell, that's D-E-N-I-S-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. Right. Thank you guys so very much. We appreciate you coming on with us um, each and every Sunday night. Thanks again. And we'll be back again um, next Sunday night at 9 p.m., same time, same place. Uh, Thank you, guys. Um, Have a wonderful evening and a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.